Well, the Seahawks have been scuffling throughout the second half. Tariq Woolen continues to turn in a fantastic rookie season, but has he been good enough to garner Defensive Rookie of the Year honors? We'll be breaking that down with the debate Woolen versus Sauce Gardner in today's Tuesday episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Tuesday episode here in week 17, my co-host in crime, Rob Ring. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We got a jam-packed episode coming your way. Tariq Woolen, Sauce Gardner get to face off for the first time as NFL players and both have had fantastic rookie seasons. But who has the edge going into this matchup between the Seahawks and Jets in defensive rookie of the year balloting? Rob and I are going to discuss and debate. Plus, we're going to take a look at what the Seahawks need to have happen to make the postseason, what needs to happen this week. Plus, a first look at the New York Jets heading into this weekend's battle at Lumen Field. Without further ado, let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Over the past month and a half, the Seahawks have not looked like a playoff team, losing five of their past six games. It's hard to believe that they still have a playoff pulse. But as we enter week 17 with two games left to play, the Seahawks are very much alive in the NFC playoff race. In fact, they control their destiny to an extent. They're going to need some help along the way. But if they win out, they give themselves a pretty good chance to get into the postseason. They have to hope that a few other teams slip up along the way, but they're still in good position. And before we talk about this, I just I have to play this clip. Rob. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> That's really what Pete Carroll's probably thinking at this point. He's not uh, that kind of charismatic in press conferences. But that's really where the Seahawks are at right now. They are right on the fringe of being eliminated, and yet they do control their destiny with two games left to go. Winning both games would give them a much better chance, obviously, to get into the postseason. Yeah, that's the thing is, uh, obviously, you're, you have that mentality of basically win or go home. Um, and so those of you who are watching on YouTube, thank you, as Corbin says. Uh, I want to repeat that. But um, for those of you who are not, then I'm just going to kind of read off some of the uh, information that is on our, our screen right now. So if the Seahawks do beat the Jets, then there are chances at reaching the playoffs jump to 43%. Now, they do need some help. Um, the Packers and the Commanders games. Uh, Green Bay is going to be hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Washington is going to be playing the Cleveland Browns. Those are the two games the Seahawks fans should very much be paying attention to. So even if Seattle was to win, if both Washington and Green Bay both win, then Seattle's odds of making the playoffs are going to drop to just 25%. If the New York Giants, the Washington Commanders, Green Bay Packers, if they all lose and Detroit wins, the odds jump up to 67% because, again, Seattle owning the tiebreaker over the Detroit Lions based on their victory earlier in the season. But, Corbin, it really doesn't matter what happens out there. The Seahawks have to win first before they worry about anybody else. And if they do go 2-0 over these last couple of games, then they obviously are going to be rebuilding some of that momentum that had them as one of the real Cinderella's early in the NFL season. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the tiebreaker with the Lions because some of our listeners may be wondering, why do we want Detroit to win this weekend? Well, you would want them to win in that scenario. Now, if you lose to the Jets, really that puts your playoff hopes. Basically, we've been saying they've been dangling on a thread. At that point, the thread's basically going to be ripped apart. They would not be eliminated until Washington Green Bay or Detroit wins a game. If all three of those teams ended up losing two, the Seahawks would still be alive. But if the Commanders or the Packers or the Lions win their games, uh, then the Seahawks would be eliminated from the playoff hunt with a week left to play in the season. So really, like you said, this is the playoffs now for the Seattle Seahawks. Really, the last couple of weeks have been the playoffs, and they haven't been able to step up to the plate and get the wins that they need, but they're still alive. You've got to go out and take care of your own business. You can't be scoreboard watching at this point. You've got to get your wins, and then you can worry about, are the other teams we need to lose losing their games to put us into the postseason? And I think, as you just mentioned here, I think this thing that fans have to understand, as bad as the Seahawks have played over the last month and a half, most of these losses, they have been right in striking distance to win these games. They've been very close. They've been competitive games. So if you can just get some positive momentum going again these last two weeks, get some victories, and you wouldn't be backing into the playoffs. You'd be surging a little bit going into the postseason with two wins. And I I remember the Baltimore Ravens way back in the day. I believe it was the 2012 season. The Baltimore Ravens were awful the last month and a half of the season, but they got barely into the playoffs And then they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won. And I'm not saying the Seahawks are going to be doing that in 2022, but all you got to do is get a ticket to the dance. And this is a wide open season as far as I'm concerned when it comes to who's going to make the Super Bowl. There appears to be five or six teams that have really separated themselves, but just got to get a ticket into the dance. So if the Seahawks can find a way to beat the Jets this weekend and then beat the Rams in the season finale, that's going to be easier said than done, especially with Baker Mayfield now being quarterback. These are going to be two tough games, but if the Seahawks can get a couple victories at home, which has been hard for them to do this year. If they can win back-to-back games at home and they get a little bit of the help, as we just mentioned, get in the postseason, maybe they can get their mojo back from early in the year. The team that we saw win four straight games, that was a team nobody wanted to play. If they can get close to playing at that level and sneak into the postseason, then who knows what happens? Anything can happen in the NFL playoffs. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that I really like about what what you just said there is as far as like just how wide open the NFL feels this year. I think especially on the NFC side, um, you know, to me, there's four or five different teams on the AFC that I think could wind up taking home the Lombardi trophy. I don't know that I feel that way about the NFC side. I think that you look at the the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, the Minnesota Vikings, um, and obviously the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, those are the teams that I think have basically established themselves the creme de la creme of the division of the conference but at the same time i just kind of like the way that seattle matches up with a bunch of those different teams and to me the scariest of the bunch is the philadelphia eagles but of course with jalen hurts injured gardner Minshew's a terrific player but at the same time i i do think that that is a team that is a little bit more vulnerable so as you said corbin if seattle can just get a ticket to the dance just get themselves in there then i do think that they have a chance to surprise and if that's not the case if they don't ultimately make the playoffs for one of the very few times in pete carroll's um illustrious career as head coach of the seahawks then i am really excited to kind of break down this tape over the entire offseason and kind of figure out 
who Seattle is going to be able to bring in in terms of rookies, in terms of free agency, to turn this team back into the Super Bowl contender that we know this club has been, again, throughout most of Pete Carroll's tenure. Yeah, even with the way things have gone the last five or six games, there's still plenty of reasons for positivity. And at the same time, Pete Carroll's not going to be packing it in. His team's not going to be packing it in because they still have a chance to get into the playoffs. And we know that Pete's teams always play tough in the postseason as well. And as you mentioned, I look at teams like the Minnesota Vikings. The players shouldn't be looking ahead, but we're hosts of a podcast. We can look ahead, no problem. Minnesota is a team that I see some major flaws in. And I know they've got a great record, but they've won a ton of one-score games. They kind of remind me of the 2020 Seattle Seahawks. as a team that will have kind of an inflated record that isn't as good as their record shows. And Seattle playing in a dome, I think that that's obviously much better than if they had to play in an outdoor stadium in Minnesota in January. So maybe that would be an interesting matchup in the first round and a rematch of the 49ers. The only way that's really going to happen is if somehow the Giants end up losing the next two games and the Seahawks somehow get up to the sixth seed. That's the only way they can get there. Um, that would obviously not be ideal, but it's hard to beat the same team three times in one year. So maybe that works in Seattle's favor, getting that third matchup, a grudge match. Maybe they get a win in the game that matters the most in the postseason, but you got to get there first. That's the real key here. The Seahawks need to win out, and they're going to need a little bit of help from a few of these NFC teams slipping up when they are battling for playoff spots. If that happens, they can still get the sixth or most likely the seventh seed in the NFC. And then hopefully we can have a playoff game to cover. Coming up next, we've got a matchup at Lumen Field Seahawks against the New York Jets. And it's featuring the two main front runners for Defensive Rookie of the Year, Tariq the Freak Woolen, going up against Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Obviously, not going to be playing head to head, but a chance for their teams to battle on Sunday. Who has the edge in Defensive Rookie of the Year? Rob and I are going to dive into a bunch of stats and a little bit of discussion and debate coming up here for Tell the Truth Tuesday on Locked On Seahawks. I'm really geeked out about our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game, Altman Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise, your dream can come true. And this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for everything from hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Altman Football GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want and when you want to. I'm currently managing the Honolulu Sharks. The first year has been pretty difficult. I'm working on conducting a youth movement since I took over a team full of a bunch of 30-year-old geezers. I'm hoping to rise quickly back into contention with some younger players and beat out all the other lockdown hosts in our virtual league. It's an absolute blast, and our listeners should join in on the fun in their own league. Locked on Seahawks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On. That's all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps. So make sure to check it out today. Download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. You're listening to Tell the Truth Tuesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. 
And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular listener, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports Today, it's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Seahawks clearly in playoff mode now at 7-8. and eight. As we just talked about, they need to win these last two games to give themselves a fighting chance to advance to the postseason. The New York Jets coming to town. They are in the same exact position in the AFC. Same record. They're dealing with similar issues, have not been playing well as of late. have dropped a bunch of games recently, but they are still mathematically alive in the AFC for one of those final wildcard spots. And there's a lot of different matchups we'll be diving into tomorrow, but two players that aren't going to be going against each other. They play the same position. There's a lot of intrigue here because we're towards the end of the season and you've got your first round sensation sauce Gardner. He was expected to come in and be a superstar right away in the secondary for the New York jets. And on the other side, the Seattle Seahawks, their fifth round pick, Tariq Woolen, he was supposed to be a long-term project. He won't be ready to play on defense right away. All he's done is lead the NFL in interceptions as a rookie for the Seahawks. Both these guys have been sensational, and really it's turned into a two-horse race for defensive rookie of the year, and now they're going to get a chance to, against the other player's team, maybe cement their status as the winner of that award. Yeah, it's going to be an awful lot of fun. Uh, and I think that if you you look at the statistics, um, then it obviously favors Tariq Woolen in a lot of ways because, as you just said, Corbin, that he leads the NFL, not rookies, the NFL, or at least is tied in interceptions with six to this point. Obviously has the one that he returned back for a touchdown, has a couple of forced fumbles, had the block kick. I mean, he has just been absolutely spectacular. Whereas you look at Sauce Gardner's numbers and they're not quite as, you know, flashy. Uh, he only has the two interceptions to this point. Um, he does not have any scores of his own. He does not have any forced fumbles or, or block kicks, but he has been even stickier in coverage. He has surrendered just one touchdown all season long. And that was against the Cleveland Browns in week two core. When I watched it, it was a, it was a play where it was basically just a miscommunication between sauce Gardner and his safety. Uh, the two interceptions, however, that Gardner has so far this season, neither one of those were particularly in, in, incredible plays. One was against the Miami Dolphins, but it wasn't Tua. Uh, it was Skylar Thompson, the former Kansas State undrafted free agent that was throwing the ball on that particular play. The other one was against Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills. So that obviously creates some excitement. Um, but at the same time, it was, an, again, another kind of miscommunication about his interception. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I think that the, for the voters out there who actually take the time to look at the plays that created these turnovers, Tariq Woolen, in my opinion, is the runaway winner. I'm just not convinced that the voters will actually take the time to do so. Yeah, I think when you look at the stats, this really creates the ultimate argument here. When we're looking at postseason awards, whether you're discussing MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, whatever – there are certain metrics that lend themselves to winning awards more than others. And I just want to say this right now. You look at Sauce Gardner's stat line compared to Tariq Woolen. I mean, some of these numbers are ridiculous. 44.3% completion percentage against. 
50.2 quarterback rating. Both those are in the top two among corners in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. He's only given up one touchdown. His missed tackle percentage is 12% better than Tariq Woolen. Really, it was just one game that set them apart there. Tariq Woolen had four missed tackles against the Carolina Panthers. Take that game out of the equation. These two were pretty much neck and neck in that category as well. But as you mentioned, those are not sexy statistics. Those are not the statistics that win awards. And I don't know that that's necessarily the right thing. I mean, it, clearly those numbers indicate that Sauce Gardner has been a shutdown corner. Quarterbacks have had a very difficult time completing passes against him. He's given up a lot less yardage in the passing game than what Tariq Woolen has. So I think you look at those numbers and it seems like it would give the first round pick playing in the big market, obviously, the edge here. And yet turnovers are what win these awards typically or sacks it's those big statistics your interceptions your sacks the pass breakups that's something that is working in Gardner's favor he's second in the NFL with 12 pass breakups but when you have six interceptions you turn a lot of those pass breakups into picks that is really what catches the attention of voters when you're looking at these awards the impact plays and Tariq Woolen doesn't just have those six picks he has the two fumble recoveries that were forced by his rookie teammate Kobe Bryant earlier this year and he has the blocked field goal and some may say well that's a special teams play no it's on defense it's still a defensive play even though it's special teams it was a defensive play and he just I just listed it off he's got nine impact plays there Sauce Gardner has two in comparison. And so I know that the touchdowns are heavily swaying in Gardner's favor. Woolen has given up five of them this year. There's been a few where there's been coverage bus. It happens. If you're going to be basing this off of completion percentage and quarterback rating and stuff like that, then Sauce Gardner appears to have the edge. But I just don't think voters are going to be looking at that set of statistics. They're going to be looking at the interceptions. They're going to be looking at the fumble recoveries. They're going to be looking at the game-changing plays. And no rookie in the NFL on defense this year has come close to making the number of impact plays that Tariq Woolen has, the turnovers, the game-changing turnovers. Tariq Woolen has been generating those week in, week out. And so while Sauce Gardner has undoubtedly had a remarkable rookie season in his own right. I, I just don't think that this is really a debate because to me, it's all about the turnovers and the game-changing plays. And Tariq Woolen just has a huge advantage in that category. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, it's very, very similar to last year when Micah Parsons, the Dallas Cowboys, it was just obvious that he was a defensive rookie of the year because of how many impactful plays he made for the Dallas Cowboys. And to me, it's the exact same thing with Tariq Cool, obviously completely different position, but it's just... You're, you're you're trying to find an argument, in my opinion, if you're going to argue that anybody other than Tariq Woolen should be the defensive rookie of the year. But but that said, I, I will kind of you know play along here for a moment. I think that one of the reasons why that you might see a lot of votes go the way of Sauce Gardner is just the perception. I mean, this is the number four overall pick, and he has been every bit as good as his draft ranking, as that nickname, 
uh, you know, as, as his time at Cincinnati in college, as it suggested that it would be. And he did it with all kinds of pressure. Of course, again, we're talking about New York. Not sleepy Seattle struggling through as a season here in the NFC West in general, which hasn't been quite as good as people expected. You know, the runaway leader in the division, of course, the San Francisco 49ers, and they're doing it with their running game and their defense primarily. Switch over to the AFC East, and you mentioned just the big media market, but the fact that they have the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, they got the Miami Dolphins with the most explosive passing attack in all of football, uh, you know. No one, and even the New England Patriots, who my how times have changed. New England is just, you know, and also ran um, in, in that division. But still, you just have so much more attention over there that I think that, again, it's going to be critical for the voters to really not just look at the statistics. I think the statistics, again, speak for themselves in how much bit more big plays that Tariq Woolen has produced. But it's the quality of the big plays. That, to me, was, was what was really spectacular. I was willing to give Sauce Gardner the benefit of the doubt if those two interceptions had been the type of jaw-dropping plays that Tariq Woolen's plays have been. They just simply were not. And that's why, again, for me, it is easy. Tariq Woolen should be the 20 22 defensive rookie of the year how much do turnovers matter when we're talking about this award there have only been two corners that have won defensive rookie of the year since charles woodson won it before the turn of the century like this is not a position that wins this award very much but marshawn Lattimore won it in 2017 and he had five interceptions that year he also had a defensive touchdown you go a few years a few years earlier than that and i don't know why i'm slipping on his name right now um Played for the Rams and now is on the Ravens. Uh, played at University of Washington. I don't know why. I'm Marcus Peters. Marcus, Marcus Peters. Peters. Yeah, I don't know why I was slipping on his name. Marcus Peters had eight interceptions and two returned for touchdowns, and he won Defensive Rookie of the Year for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2015. Those are the only two corners that have won this award since way back when Charles Woodson won it with the Raiders when they were still in Oakland late nineties. Like this is not a position that wins this award very much. It typically goes to your pass rushers, the guys that rack up sacks and strip sacks, force fumbles. Linebackers have won the award a handful of times as well. Corners don't get it very often. And when they do, it's because they get a bunch of interceptions and they create points off those interceptions. And Tariq Woolen again, has a huge advantage in those game changing plays. Now there's still two games left. You know, hopefully the Seahawks don't get, get don't get the treatment from Sauce Gardner this week, and Geno Smith throws an interception. This return to the house. <laughs> then look back at this. He just stole the award from Tariq Woolen. But as of right now, I just look at past precedent and those game changing plays. Tariq Woolen has a huge advantage there. Gardner's certainly done some amazing things. Both these players are deserving. I just think Woolen. Right now, it should be a slam dunk that he wins this award. And we'll see what happens on Sunday because these two guys are going to get a chance to continue padding their resume. And particularly for Tariq Woolen, Mike White going to be back for the Jets. Maybe an opportunity to get interception number seven at home this weekend and help his team get back in the win column. It's a really tight race, though. Two games left to go. Two exciting corners that are going to be very good for a very long time for their respective teams. Up next, we just talked about Sauce Gardner, the impact that he's had for the Jets in his rookie season. But he's far from the only rookie that has had a big impact for the Jets as they've tried to climb back into the postseason for the first time since, I believe, 2011. It's been a long time since the Jets have been in the playoffs. This is a really young team. They've had a lot of roster turnover. So we're going to be taking a look at what's new with the New York Jets coming up next year on our Tuesday episode of Locked on Seahawks. 
This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. It's week 17 of the 2022 season, and I'm banking on a big three touchdown night from Kirk Cousins against the Packers. That might seem like a bold leap, especially at Lambeau, but with Prize Picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, and MMA. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy with safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there during the holiday season for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever. You get your podcast. The Seahawks very much in postseason mode, trying to find a way to sneak into the playoffs to make it happen. They have to beat the New York Jets, who are in the same situation, the AFC, both teams at 7-8, and eight, looking to get into the postseason with a late-season surge. The Jets have undergone a lot of turnover on their roster. This is a very young team, a very exciting young team, at least away from the quarterback position. They've got a lot of really fun players on both sides of the football, and that's going to make them a dangerous opponent, especially with the postseason still within reach coming up this weekend in Week 17. Yeah, the, the Jets are a really different team this year, Corbin, than what they've seen in the past. I mean, virtually every single position, there has been some type of turnover. Um, again, for YouTube watchers, you can read it yourself. But for those of you who are at home listening um, or is listening on podcasts, then uh, Lakin Tomlinson, um, DJ Reed, CJ Uzama, Dwayne Brown, Jordan Whitehead, Solomon Thomas. I'd add the tight end, Tyler Conklin, to that list as well as key additions. There definitely have been some big departures as well. Marcus May, Foley Fodukasi, uh, Morgan Moses, Jamison Crowder. This is a team that unfortunately for the Jets has also struggled with some big injuries, especially along the offensive line. And of course, with their dynamic running back, Brees Hall, the only running back selected ahead of Kenneth Walk. Walker the third, but Mecky Becton, the big tackle. That's one of the reasons why the Jets brought in Dwayne Brown. Becton went down. Elijah Vera Tucker, former first round pick, former Morris Trophy Award winner from USC a couple of years ago. He also went down with injury. And then, of course, all the notable draft picks that this club had. They had three first round picks this year, last year. We just kind of broke down Sauce Gardner, but the rookie wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, just leads the team in every receiving category catch yards touchdowns Tyler Conklin I mentioned before is second in catches yards and touchdowns uh and, and then of course Jermaine Johnson the pass rusher for Florida State I was really really high on but under Robert Sella as head coach former Seattle assistant coach 
the the Jets have really uh, you know made this huge transition. They have now have a lot of different really talented pass rushers, um, and and so I that that's the biggest reason why Jermaine Johnson, in my opinion, has not got himself on the field. Doesn't have a single start this year, although he has played in twelve games. And so it's the the fact that the Jets have as many different types of pass rushers as they do is one of the biggest reasons why I think that the Jets are a really scary team in a lot of different ways. Yeah, they added Johnson to the draft. They got Carl Lawson back from his yeah. Achilles injury, and that was a big addition to their defensive line. Uh, Michael Clemens, who they drafted on day three, a player the Seahawks actually brought in for a pre-draft visit out of Texas A&M. He has been a really good rookie for them as well. So they've gotten contributions from some late-round guys to go with all those high draft picks that they have, and all three of those players we mentioned round one have been immediate contributors for this football team. Brees Hall maybe was the best of the entire bunch yeah. before he suffered the torn ACL middle of the season. Their offense has not been the same since they lost him. They've struggled to fill that gap, and obviously the quarterback issues that they've had. Zach Wilson just looks like a deer caught in the headlights. He has not been able to figure things out. But Mike White is going to be back this week, and the Jets have really rallied around him. And even though he's not new, he's been with the team for a few years, it does feel like it's a much different football team when they have him out there. And Chris Streveler is also available as well. And Streveler is just a different type of quarterback, not somebody that's going to drop back and throw a bunch, but he's a big body guy that can barrel over linebackers and he runs the ball really well. And he gave them a little bit of juice last week in their Thursday night loss to the Jaguars. And so this is a team that's got some interesting options at the quarterback position. Zach Wilson, probably not even going to be active for this game. They've got Joe Flacco on the roster as well. So uh, they've got a lot of different options there, but Mike White has been their best quarterback this season. They're going to be very happy to have him back this weekend against the Seahawks to maybe take some pressure off the rest of their offense. The run game just hasn't been there, but if they can throw the ball a little bit better, Certainly could make things interesting. And you mentioned the couple of former Seahawks. DJ Reed has been fantastic for the Jets playing across from Sauce Gardner. And I think that's something will really be notable when we're breaking down the matchups going into this game. This is a very good secondary for the New York Jets, at least in the cornerback positions. They are dominant there. Gardner has been a shutdown corner throughout his rookie season. And DJ Reed has been worth every penny that the New York Jets paid him on his $30-plus million contract that they gave him in free agency. And some Seahawks fans may be wondering, man, why couldn't we have just teamed him up with Tariq Woolen? That would have been a lot of fun, but that also would have been a lot of money for them to pay the cornerback position that they just didn't feel like they had, especially with Russell Wilson's dead cap hit, some of the money that was left with other players being released as well. They didn't have as much wiggle room. The Jets had a ton of money. They spent it, and for the most part, that money has been well spent, and that's why they are still in the playoff race, even with the quarterback issues, the scoring issues that they've had throughout the season. Yeah, I, I love that you just mentioned the, the scoring issues. I mean, you just, if you look at the Jets' quarterback play this year, it really has been pretty darn abysmal. Um, you know, the Zach Wilson, former number two overall pick, and as you said, I mean, he's not even likely to be uh, on on the active roster. Um, or excuse me, or made available at least for this game. Um, you know, he's he leads the Jets right now with six touchdowns. Um, and then you have Joe Flacco with five, and Mike White's only got three scores all season long. So again, this is a team that has struggled to run or to, to throw the ball with any type of real consistency. And again, there's a lot of reasons for that. I um, mean, you you have a you're you're led by a, a rookie wide receiver. You have you know. 
um, you know, moving chairs basically at the at the quarterback position. Um, same with running back, and then all those injuries along the offensive line as well. So to me, that it's. It's it's funny because this is supposed to be talking about the new additions or the what's changed for the New York Jets. One of the things that has not changed, it seems like forever for the New York Jets, is that they simply just don't throw or they don't, they don't score a lot of points. They're stuck on the tarmac, so to speak, for for much of the time um, in which they're playing. But they can play good defense. They can run the ball. They move people at the line of scrimmage, and that's why even this, despite the fact that the Jets don't look very frightening on paper, at least on offense. This is a formidable opponent. Yeah, and they have the ability to create turnovers and bunches on defense. Mm -hmm. They've got some pass rushers that can get to the quarterback and force strip sacks, get the ball on the ground. They can force fumbles from running backs. they got some masters at the linebacker position. they got athletes there. I mean, this is a very good defense. So Seattle's going to have to deal with that again. They've played a lot of good defenses as of late. The offense is going to have to step up to the plate. But as you mentioned, on the offensive side of the ball, the injuries in the offensive line, the quarterback issues that they're still dealing with, not having Brees Hall, this has been an offense that has really struggled, even by their standards, in the second half of the season. That's the big reason why they have slumped to a 7-8 and eight record themselves. Really, these two teams have they, they've gotten to 7-8 and eight different ways, but at the same time, there have been a lot of similarities with the third down issues on offense and the defense giving up some explosives and untimely uh times in games and they just haven't been able to put it together and both these teams are really young as well and so their trajectory is pretty similar they started the season hot and not playing so well here down the stretch but one of these teams is going to try to get back in the win column and position themselves to get in the playoffs and the Seahawks are hoping they can get it done at Lumen Field the Jets are hoping to make it that the Seahawks continue to have struggles with their home field advantage and lose their fourth game in a row at home that's unthinkable but it could happen on Sunday coming up tomorrow we're going to have our usual matchup Wednesday episode six matchups to watch three for the Seahawks on offense three on defense going up against the New York Jets a game with major playoff implications as both teams try to hang on to their postseason lives you won't want to miss it I'm Corbett Smith. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Again, make sure to join us tomorrow as we break down all the key matchups heading into week 17. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.